You're listening to Chordcast Spurs Update for November 11th, 2015. Go Spurs, go! We are live. What's up, guys? Welcome to Chodcast. Jason Don here. Thought we'd check in with everybody, talk a little bit about Spurs and the NBA in general. Uh, we're 11 games into the season. Spurs are 9-2. and two. Take it. We'll take it. Um, they beat up on the Denver Nuggets last night. They um, have a back-to-back coming up this weekend. They're playing the Pelicans tomorrow. And then they got the Grizzlies on Saturday. So we thought we'd talk a little bit. We're about a tenth of the way into the season. So uh, a long way to go. But... Um, I don't know. I've been encouraged by the start. What's your What's your thoughts so far? You and I haven't had much of a chance I mean, to talk lately. I mean, two losses. I, I mean, that's a great record. I mean, you could, if you're not the Golden State Warriors, that's about the best record you can hope for right now. Yeah. Um. I mean, two losses, and one of those was a buzzer beater shot, and the other one was the Oklahoma City first game of the season. Right, and the Oklahoma City game, I think we lost by six, but. You know, it's, it was still a very close game throughout. Um, so it's not like we've gotten blown out by anybody. Yeah, so we're one game and one shot away from a perfect record. Yeah, and you know, being the Spurs fan base that we are, everybody's very worried about LaMarcus, whether or not he's gelling with the team, which I'm already completely tired of hearing about. But, I, absolutely. Um, I think he's been pretty good. I mean, everybody expected him to come in and still be like the 20 and 15 guy. and. Well, you know, just take Who over the team that? right away. But I don't, I, if you're a true Spurs fan, like I don't think you should have been expecting that. Right. I think, I mean, nobody is a 2015. I mean, okay, sometimes we would like Kawhi to be that, but sure. I mean, that's not our team. Like you look at some of these, uh, you know, post game reports, and it's like we have seven people in double digits. I don't know when the last time the Portland Trailblazers had five people. Yeah, and I think that's been the most encouraging thing so far is that, you know, you look at the, again, to your point, like the post score, the box score, whatever, and we've got five, six, seven guys in double digits. You know, Patty Mills had 17 last night. Tony Parker's at 25. has come come out of, like, carbonite and is now, Yeah. I mean, he's as good as I've seen him in I think they've done a really good job so far managing Manu's minutes trying to make sure that he's going to stay healthy throughout the year. Because that's the biggest thing is a lot of times we'll have a lull in the middle of the season. Where? Kawhi goes out, Danny's hurt, and Monty ends up having to start a couple of games or he ends up having to play a couple of games where he's 30, 45, you know, 30, 35 minutes. And that's just too much at his age, especially for a guard, you know. I think it's typical for a big guy to last longer. I don't know what it is about being a big guy in the NBA. Their, their lifespan is longer. Shoot. Yeah, but these yeah. guys, these little guys who are running around a lot, I think there's a lot more wear and tear on their body. Um, and so it is atypical to see somebody who's 37, 38, like Manu, still playing as well as he is, still competing. Um, and really, he's a big part of our team, especially that second unit that everybody's been so enthralled with so far. And you know who's also contributing? I mean, Tony Parker. Like, I, obviously we pay him, he's our you know leading point guard, but how many people told us, He's too old. He's yeah. the weakest part of the start of the big three of the starting five. You know this, that, the other thing. No, he's not. He's it he's did, had a couple great games. Those um, were kind of the two popular narratives going into the season. Like one, how's Lamarcus going to fit? How long will it take? And two, um, does Tony still have it? Is he still anywhere near the Finals MVP that he was in two thousand seven or the All Star that he has been in the past? Um, and I think the answer so far has been yes. I mean, granted, he's not going to do it all 82 games, well, but he'll have games like last night where he's taking Emmanuel Moutier and showing him, like, 
hey, young fella, this is how you play in the NBA. Uh, here's 25 points. Maybe I mean, go take some notes. I think, I don't know, I, I tend to do this a lot of, like, talking about, like, a media narrative. And I think that's the hard part with our team right now. If both of those narratives have been written and everybody wants to write them the same way, is like, new superstar doesn't mesh well with passing team. Well, that's not really true. He's working on it. He's lowering his, you know, attempts and points. But he's working really well. I mean, I don't, I don't think there's really pushback either way. Every once in a while, he's like, oh, this is different. It's more hard work. And the other one is like, we have a pretty, we have an elite point guard, but he's not really your, like, standout lead. And usually you have an elite point guard like Tony Parker. He's, his night is your night. He's the, you know, narrative of your team. If you're Steph Curry, you know, if your main point guard, if your, you know, elite player is doing well, you're doing well. That's not our team at all. Tony Parker can really have a night off and just kind of be the facilitator for our team. And that's all we really need him to do. No, I completely agree. You know what I mean? He's, he, you know, it's what everybody always says. He's the engine that makes the, the offense run. He's not necessarily like a 15-assist guy, and he's not always going to be a 30-point guy, but he does do all the little things. He sets up all the screens that make the offense work. He gets guys open in the corner. Which he does it's just that, sort of the flow of I the offense. I think he does that even on the nights where we're like, oh, is Tony Parker great? But he's doing the thing of like, making two points when we need it, the teardrop that no one can guard. Right. Those are those little things that make him a little bit more elite than you would typically say. And I, I'm seeing him do that. You know, I'm excited. Like, you know, yeah. I, our team can work with him just absolutely driving the offense and scoring eight. You know, it doesn't really matter. But he's putting up points. He's He was our points leader the other night, I think. Oh, absolutely. You know? Um, so those two narratives, like, I'm already tired of, of hearing it. Yeah. And so I think the most impressive thing so far to me is I didn't realize how good the defense was going to be. I mean, Timmy's still playing at an all-NBA defensive level. He just, he just passed Robinson blocks. Right? He did, yeah. He's fifth all-time now for blocks in the NBA. Um, and it sounds stupid, but having two guys that are close to seven feet tall and over in your starting lineup guarding the rim, it makes it really difficult to score the ball. You know, I mean, it's as just... much as we're in this new like small ball NBA... Small ball NBA is very it's very hard to play against yeah. Twin Towers. I mean, you know? there's a reason why we're leading the, the league in defensive efficiency right now. We're holding teams to very little points. I think teams are averaging like 85 points when they're playing us at home right now, which is really <laughs> low. Um, it's like moderate. That doesn't sound quite as bad like 10 years ago when Timmy was playing. Right. <laughs> it sounds very good and very No, and especially in today's NBA where it's pace and space. You know, there's people are getting more possessions per game. You know, people are scoring well into 110, 120, no problem. Well, holding a team to that little is really impressive. And um, I think, again, people are worried about LaMarcus Aldridge's defense. Is he an average defensive player? Will he be able to fit in our, our defensive scheme? Um, and, and I think it, you're probably right. A lot of this stuff is just media contrived so that people will have something like, to talk about. Somebody wants their article, like, pre-written. Exactly. And then the game wants to fill in exactly. the stat lines. And, and then they're going to take the LaMarcus Aldridge poll quote, like, oh, we're still working on it. We're trying to get a feel for that's, what's happening. That, that's every, it's every Spurs quote ever. I mean, yeah. you know what I mean? We're going to name like, the boat LaSharkis. <laughs> Stupid HGV commercials. Yeah. Uh, I mean... You know, I, I'm excited the way they're playing. And, yeah, maybe he's not quite an elite defender like some of those other starting five, as I would say. But you, you'll you'll see it every once in a while. He'll get upset that he didn't make his, you know, two points or whatever. And he'll go down there and do some defensive stuff where you're like, oh, yeah, that's right, he's seven foot tall. And, you know, yeah. he can play that if he wants to. Right. It's just now getting into, like, a constant rhythm. 
you know, as opposed to other teams where it's fast, slow. The Spurs are just kind of always at a... It's It can be seen like lackadaisical pace, but yeah. even our fast breaks look, you know, reverse slow motions of that. <laughs> like, a fast break to us is like a full court pass or like these... Mono has been done it like six times a season where he like does a bounce pass through somebody's legs down the corner around the hall. And yeah. like, no, that's not a fast break. That's an old guy going... I got you. <laughs> yeah, I think the closest thing we have to a fast break is like Kawhi stealing the ball and slamming it on somebody like he does at least once a game. He takes seven steps. That's not running. That's, yeah. just, that's just long strides. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I think the toughest thing to see going forward will be how we compete with the elite teams. So the newest knock on the Spurs is their schedule's been pretty easy so far. They haven't played a lot of great teams. Yeah. Um, and my response to that is I just don't think the rest of the league has been as good this year so far. You know, a lot of people thought the Western Conference was going to be so great going into the season the way they have been the past couple of years, but it's been kind of a down year for the Western Conference, and you're seeing teams like the Nuggets and the Jazz in the playoff spots early in the season. Obviously, that, well, that could change you're going also, forward. We, I, but we were just talking about it. I mean, these aren't great teams. The Pelicans are look abysmal right now. Right. That is a good team. The Rockets are so bad that they had to fire their coach. Right. I mean, the, the you know, Clippers-Mavs are, you know, trading blows. They're not, you know, every, it's basically everybody's narrative right now. is It's Golden State and everybody else, but I would put it like yeah. Golden State, us, a couple other teams in the mix, and then there's a lot of garbage right now. Yeah, I mean, we have the second best record in the league. The Cavaliers are close behind. Um, Golden State, like you mentioned, they are 12-0. They have a tough game tonight coming up against um, the Clippers in L.A., so that'll be an interesting game to watch. I think you and I plan on watching it. Um, and everybody's kind of chasing them at this point. I think they were frustrated that in the offseason nobody really gave them the due credit for their championship. A lot of people were out there yeah. saying maybe they got lucky. A lot of people were out there saying... Uh, maybe stop, the cards just kind of that. fell their way because they've really come out like bats out of hell. Like, oh, fuck you guys. We're that good. Yeah. And uh, Steph Curry, especially, has been playing outside of his mind. He's, like, averaging over 35 points a game, which is nuts. He seems like he can shoot from anywhere on the court, which everybody already knew. And really, with Clay Thompson not playing well, it's mostly been Steph Curry and Draymond yeah. Green kind of pulling that team along. Um, and they they won some close games too. I think their confidence to, to is be twelve just like and zero and like have the conversation of somebody's pulling them along. You know, yeah. it sounds like oh they limped through a bad road. You know, no they they won twelve and zero. I mean, they had a tough game against the the Raptors the other day. They right. they got it down to the wire, but they still won that game by five points. Uh, you know, maybe a bad foul at the end or something, but. And yeah. all all the while, Steve Kerr has been injured. You know, yeah. been out with back surgery. So. Which I mean, he's not. I would anyone considered, like, the elite league coach, but he's, you know, just won a championship rookie coach out of the chain. You know, he helps, like, having him on the sideline, and they went in 12 and hell. I don't think they're exactly, like, playing for him, but, you know. So, as Spurs fans, I think it's only natural that people are going to be comparing us to them all throughout the season, and I think you were saying we don't get to play them until January, so it'll be a long time before we really know whether or not... Yeah, I think I had that on the radio the other day, is we play them four times, which is not fun, because... You know, I don't think, you know, there's obviously teams we don't play four times, but we play the, all four of those games after January 1st. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's really when the season starts getting interesting, anyways, yeah. is going into the All Star break around the trade deadline. Um, well, at this time of the year, everybody's just kind of getting a feel for how things are going. And again, it's like it's overdone completely, but they really are. They're just figuring each other out. They're figuring out 
what the rotations are. And Popovich is like world famous for this. He's like just going to try as many different lineups as possible. He's going to throw in Russell Butler in random lineups, and he's going to put Kyle Anderson in the starting lineup occasionally. And, well, you know, Patty Mills is going to play shooting guard, and Monty's going to run the point sometimes. <coughs> yeah. Um, I mean, the I think the least rotations we ever play are, like, our true starters yeah. and, like, our true bench. Yeah. Because those two rotations are, like, legitimately almost never on the floor. We know what those two are, but it's always like this these awesome mixes of like three and two, two and three, you know, four and one, like Danny did something stupid, he got sent out Yeah. Know, run a lap. Yeah, Danny, he really hasn't been very good this, so far this year. By the way, for the two of you guys who are watching, thanks for tuning in and please do comment along if y'all have any thoughts and you know, we want to hear what y'all are thinking about the Spurs and the NBA season so far, so please do feel free to comment and let us know what you're thinking. But um yeah, like I was saying, I, Danny Green's really been pretty bad so far. I don't even know if he's had over 10 points in any one game. His defense is always great, you know, Yeah. with Danny Green and Kawhi guarding wings. We've, they've been shutting down a lot of guys. I mean, well, you put Tim and Aldridge onto the basket. Yeah, exactly. The wings and it's like those are four all-NBA <coughs> defensive players. And yeah, and Tony's, Tony Parker's good enough to chase a guy around. Yeah, and, and you know, if... If you have to double the point guard off of him, you know we like that. That defense is set up to really make, yeah. you know. I mean, Kawhi's just been absolutely shutting people down. Uh, Gallinari had thirty-two points the night before they played us, and then last night I think he had two points going into the fourth quarter. I mean, it, it, um, it's just almost unfair how good he is. He made he made Ron, he completely shut down Ronda. There was another one that it was, yeah, it was oh, um, Durant and Carmelo early. Carmelo in the Anthony, Carmelo Anthony just looked. I like, watched that entire Knicks game, and he like he just completely. It was just a dismantling. Like the scene, you know, like, yeah, Carmelo Anthony is one of the best players in the league. No, like the mad Space that. Jam scene where like you take the the best players in the NBA and they like steal their mojo or whatever, <laughs> and then they just like it really was. He's just because they like all the shots. Yeah. He wasn't letting him get any so much of like being an elite NBA player is like confidence in doing things that everybody knows you're gonna do it, and then you do it regardless, and it's like. He'll just take away most of what you feel comfortable about. Yeah. And just kind of sit there and wait for you to do the thing you're not comfortable yeah. about, which is miss a... And when you watch him, it's not like very conventional defense mm-hmm. where he's like staying in front of you and like really harassing you or anything. Like sometimes a guy will get by him and he's just so lengthy you can catch up from behind. Yeah, it's not, you know... He like, just does enough like, to alter like, your shot. Like Patty. You talk about... Big Patty is like the annoying Super, fly yeah. nat yeah. defense where it's like, hey, hey, and he... He still does it, and I love it. To, I hope he does it till he's like the, the year he retires. Is like he'll like be the one guy that stays back on the end oh, now yeah. and goes like, "Oh, you really? You're gonna pass it to him? You're gonna you bring the other guy over? Yeah, that's stupid." But just those little things that wear you down. Kawhi just like like you said, a lot of times it, it looks like he got beat, you know. Whereas like he's not doing the conventionals. He looks like he got beat, and then he'll just take it. You'll be three steps away by, by the time you realize okay. the ball's gone. It's insane. I mean, and I really didn't know how much better he could get. There were times early in his career where it just seemed like... Awkward's the wrong word, but he just seemed like he didn't totally understand how to... You know, a, a lot of basketball players are very fluid. Like, if you yes. watch a Russell oh, Westbrook, he's very silky. Or Derrick Rose, it's just yeah. like... It's very fluid the way he moves around the court. And Kawhi's motions were just very herky-jerky. It was kind of like he would get stuck in certain spots, not really know what to do with the ball once he was in the lane. Well, it, and that's all completely gone this year. I mean, he is so it, comfortable it, it, out there. Like, he knows what to do, when to take his spots, when to make a turnaround jumper. He has so many different moves. And you can kind of attribute it to, like, he confidence. You know, like, the way Russell Rush dribbles a basketball is very confident, you know? Yeah. 
And he's kind of developed a more subtle confidence. He's not a you know loud show show right. in your face. But there was very much of like a, do I have to look back and make sure Pop and Timmy thought that was the right thing to do? Yeah. And now, you know, obviously, we kind of let him off the leash. It's it's like he never knew how to dunk a basketball prior to this season. Right. And now he does it, and it's just like, yeah, yeah, you can do that. Yeah, you are. <laughs> you are a very athletic guy. So He does um, it like, like, like you would diagram it in a textbook. You know, yeah. whereas it's like, he goes up, that, that. Uh, was it Manu behind the back? Like, passes back to him in that? Oh. oh, so sick. He's just posterizing people, and then he goes back on defense. Anyway, so one of the viewers is asking, he's saying he's out on the East Coast and doesn't get to see much of the Spurs game so far this season, asking how <coughs> LaMarcus is fitting in. And we've talked about it a little bit, mostly how we're frustrated with people, you know, with the media talking about how it's not working, and how we generally disagree. I mean, LaMarcus, he's, he's averaging 15 points. Um, I think he's just shy of 10 rebounds, so he's basically averaging a double-double. There's almost no player in the league where you'd say he's averaging a double-double that's not working out. Well, and it's just, I, you know, A, I think this narrative, they want it written a certain way, and they want to keep pushing that because it's the easy way to think about it. I think the other thing is, this doesn't happen a ton. We don't take a marquee player and really move in teams a lot. It happens. But that's always the first thing is, th- was this the right move? You know, Sure. When, I mean, and obviously uh, that's the question James Harden goes to Houston. I mean, this is that kind of marquee. This oh, is absolutely. a big three player on I mean, the NBA the player. offseason shut down for like a good two <coughs> weeks while everybody tried to figure LaMarcus out watched, if they could get Marcus Aldridge on that team. So it and, is reasonable to say, like, okay, how's this going to work? And I think it is intimidating for a guy to come in and say, I'm playing with three surefire Hall of Famers. Kawhi is like a very rising player in the league, you know, defensive player of the year last year, finals MVP. <coughs> You know, I'm sure it's a little intimidating for him to come in and try to figure out what's his spot going to be on this team. And I think the frustration that people have is they just they know how good it could be. Like, you see the ceiling. So there's been glimpses <coughs> of just the offense working incredibly. You know, he's hitting pick and pops, and he's so wide open, he almost doesn't know what to do sometimes because he's used to having two or three guys harassing him. Because really it's just been him and Damian Lillard kind of running the offense in Portland for all these years. And... You know, even before Damian Lillard got there, it was mostly just him. And so I think he's just getting used to the fact that, A, he doesn't have to take 30 shots a game, and B, he's just going to be a lot more open. He's going to have to pick his spots and up his efficiency. You know, it's easy to make 20 points a game when you're taking all the shots, but now he's got to get up back up to 20 points and take that dominant role well, on the team and do it with less shots in more effective spaces and try to make sure that he's getting his points in a point in the game where it matters more. Yeah. It's not just putting up points for points' sake. Because anybody on our team can score. We need him to do it when it matters the most. Well, and I think the narrative for you take a marquee player and you move him to another team is he's just as good as he was and now this team's going to be that great. Or this was the wrong move. He's not, you know, any time a marquee player, oh, he's never like that that old. I, honestly, he just needs to be a good to great part of this team. Right. You know what I mean? Like, we had a team that was playoff. We, by one game, missed being like the two seed. You know what I mean? Yeah. This is basically the same team that went to championships. We lost some bench players. So this is a great team, and we added a great play. So, honestly, it's not like we move this marquee player over and this need, he needs to be the, the all-star that he was. And honestly, if it doesn't hurt the rest of the team, it's fine if he can be more of a part. And so that's my worry, right, is, you know, you read these stories. Um, I never know how to... Everybody calls him Woj. He yeah. works for Yahoo, and he had this great story about you know the inside out of Lamarcus deciding to come to us and all this kind of stuff. 
And there's a deal in there where he's kind of getting frustrated that Damian Lillard's taking some of the spotlight and he kind of wants to be the guy. Um, and so you worry because realistically he's probably not going to make the all-star team this year. He's, and he's a good player, very solid, but there's so many good front court guys in the Western Conference. You're Blake Griffins, Kevin Durant, you know, Boogie, yeah. all these kind of guys who are going to probably make it over him. And he's used <laughs> to sort of being in that spotlight, being a guy who's going to be uh, either starting in the all-star game or coming off the bench for sure. And this year he might not make it. Um, and I have read some stuff where he's like, well, as long as we keep winning, it's going to be fine. And you, you just have to hope he takes more of that mentality rather than, okay, you know, I really was kind of <coughs> expecting here to come here and be the guy, whereas Kawhi's been our best offensive option so far this season. He's averaging the yeah. most points. Um, and Aldridge has been a very solid two. And I think when it comes April, May, and you see, you know, it's late in the game and we can go <coughs> to him on the left block and get him a bucket automatically, that's when you're going to say, okay, this was worth it. It's worth all the yeah. money. It was worth all the hoopla. Um, I just hope he's ready to stick it out for all of that and he's not looking for as much individual accolade as he was getting up in Portland. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, if you continue to be a top contender in the West, I... I hope he's not that shit. I mean, he's got a longer career. Ahead. Hey, thanks for watching. Um, you know, he's got a longer career ahead of him. I, it, it, it's a weird narrative. It's also a weird narrative because the Spurs don't bring in marquee players. You know what I mean? When was the last free agent we signed? We don't sign big oh, no. free agents. I, this is definitely the largest free agent signing in the franchise I mean, history by a large, so, large margin. Tony we drafted, Manu we drafted, Tim we drafted, Kawhi we drafted and made into this player. Right. Danny, we made into a starting player in the NBA after being the darling of the D-League. Yeah. You mean everybody we get, either nobody else wanted them or we went out and got him when nobody else did. Yeah, I think I was reading something we traded for George Gervin once upon a time. <laughs> like, back in the late ADA? 70s or something. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's been a really long time. We tried to get Jason Kidd at one point after we beat the Nets in the finals. Um, it's It's been a really long time since they made this drastic a move. And then the other leading concern going into the season was, oh, we had to give up. You know, suddenly everybody was really worried about our depth. It's like, oh... Everybody did nothing but shit on Tiago whenever he played for the Spurs, and all of a sudden oh it's like, god. oh my god, the Spurs have lost Tiago and Corey Joseph and Aaron Baines. Like, what are they possibly going to do? It's like, well... They're going to play... Yeah, all we did was bring in David Weston or Sol Butler. Oh, bummer. Yeah. yeah. No, that, that was a big downgrade. Yeah, and... We, I, I still think we're one of honestly, the deepest teams we, in the league. We went out and found a guy, like, Boban. Like, I understand he's not an elite. Yes. But when we brought... Bobonator. When we brought Tiago in... That was like the idea. Was like when when Thiago first played, every Spurs fan goes, "God damn it!" He Thiago was so bad. He was so every bad. time. He's Have just... you seen this video with Boban where they're trying to guard him with an oar? <laughs> it's <laughs> like the JJ Watt defense. Yes. Like it's like Becky Hammond and some random Spurs coach, and they're chasing him around with an oar in practice. Like ah, come back here because <laughs> he's so tall. Yeah. They, there's no way to simulate what it's like, like, honestly, like for him like, to shoot over somebody. When we first got Tiago on the court, it was like god damn it. Every every minute he plays, what well, god don't touch, don't give him. Ball. Oh, he was so bad. <clears throat> and then we made him into a. Del- not an elite big man, but a big man that just got a giant contract. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, he's like, playing minutes for the Hawks. It's fine. Like, all we need some of these backup guys is to come in and hold hold the court down. I mean, we have... I mean, we're, you're talking about depth, but when they're worried about depth, that's really like our third team. Right. Which, you know, the Spurs have almost... Their second almost... unit, their plus-minus is sometimes better than the starters. They come in and oh, it's yeah. just like... 
that's the old Spurs basketball, right? Like, it's like, okay, our starters are gonna keep shot. you within five points. Yeah. Okay, we're down by five, that sucks. You're yes, you have three of the most elite players in the NBA and you're playing a bunch of forty year olds. Shucks, we're down by five. <laughs> and then you spend all your money on the elite players and you have a no name bench. Well our no name bench is a heck of a lot better than yours. Exactly, yeah. I mean and Pop had a great quote, I think it was last year, the year before you know, like, what's the deal? Why are y'all passing so much? He's like, well, if the ball sticks, we die. He's like, we just, we don't have enough talent. We can't beat these guys straight up, especially when you're playing a team like the Clippers. And I think we're slowly getting to a point where we do have the talent now. Kawhi is ascending into that level. We have a little Marcus Aldridge. When Tony Parker's playing peak Tony Parker, we can keep up athletically with most teams. Maybe not the Clippers or the Thunder, but, you know, the other teams in the league for sure. Yeah. Um, but the bench still does play that way. They're not the most talented. They're not the best. But with, uh, they do the little with a thing. passing big like Boris and Patty Mills running around, um, Kyle Anderson is great passing the ball for a taller player. They, yeah. They've done a really good job of playing that old school, or not old school, but what we got famous for in 2013 oh, and 14 yeah. during those finals runs was passing the ball and getting the open guy. And the beautiful game. Exactly, and that's what the second team is still doing, and it's it's been fun to watch well, whenever those guys come off and the bench. And that's the greatest Almost thing. more so than it's the It's like you take some of these players that really wouldn't have had a shot other places in the NBA, and, you know, okay, you're going to do the fundamentals. Just pass the ball, look yeah. for the greatest shot. Just do it. Just run the system. Just run it, and it's hard, and it sucks, and it's not flashy, and doesn't make you a, a, a marquee player. I mean, our bench is known as the Spurs bench. There's not a ton of those players that are now getting more, uh, you know. I saw some national announcer go off about why Kyle Anderson's nickname was Slow-Mo. Like, they'd never heard of him before, <laughs> which is fine. He's a the, terrible nickname for a basketball player. Yeah, and he was the last <laughs> pick in the first round, but we're taking this guy and, you know, just run the system, and... Be a part of something bigger. Summer League MVP, baby. He, exactly. You know what I mean? Like, I, he got the last pick in the first round of, you know, that's a throwaway pick for most people. And yeah. Yeah, he is. He's playing on an elite team and getting, you know, minutes. And he, I mean, if Kawhi ever goes down, I mean, I, I assume. And he did. I mean, Kawhi was out for a lot of last year with that weird hand injury that he had. And Kyle Anderson came in and played great. I mean, he was averaging. 10, 11 points. Exactly. I, you know, I don't have any problem with Kyle Anderson coming in the game. And Russell Butler um, is another free agent we got who's largely been overshadowed by the David West and the Marcus Aldridge signings. Um, the dude's like 36, and he comes in and gives us really good minutes. Like, you wouldn't know it by watching him. He's like, he hustles, he makes the right shots, he's a good defensive player, um, and he fits in with that second unit really well. And sometimes they'll play both of them at the same time with David West. I mean, we're a really tall team now. We've got a lot of long guys, a lot of tall guys. You can switch a lot on defense when you have tall players like that. Um, and especially as popular as pick-and-roll offenses now, it's great when you know, you got a guy who's getting picked up, then you can switch and rotate on all these guys who are long and athletic. Um, you know, Boris is very athletic for a taller player. Yeah. David West is pretty athletic for a taller <coughs> player. Um, and it's really been to our advantage. We don't keep a lot of these short little dudes who are trying to run, you know, other than like Patty Mills. Um, and Tony Parker, we don't really have anybody who's under 6'3". Yeah, exactly. And I think that's, you know, mostly to our benefit. Believe it or not, you need to be tall to play basketball. It makes things a lot easier. <laughs> makes things a lot harder when I try to play basketball. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't work out as well for us. Nah. Well, what, what's our schedule coming up? So, yeah, we've we got the Pelicans tomorrow, and we've got the Grizzlies on Saturday. Phoenix on Monday. Phoenix Monday. Dallas on Wednesday, and then we get to go 
to Denver a week from tomorrow. So, so yeah, the probably the toughest game in there. Surprisingly, it would be Dallas. Mm-hmm. Um, Dallas has really been pretty good this year. They always play us tough. Oh God! You know, everybody remembers the series that went to seven, the year that we went to the championship and finally beat the Heat. Um, Carlisle's just a—he's a really great coach. I think probably the second best behind Popovich. Obviously, a little biased, but um, yeah. You know, Mark Cuban being the guy that he is, they have a brand new team every year, so they pretty much just get rid of their entire starting lineup except for Dirk, mm-hmm. and they're like, "Well, that didn't work." We'll just bring in all new guys. And so they really do. They've got like a whole new lineup again this year. They've got um, Wes Matthews. I guess they did keep Chandler Parsons, um, but they got Sharon Williams. Yeah, and they 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 kept Chandler Parsons after getting Chandler Parsons a year. You know what I mean? It's like, besides Dirk, who is a Dallas Maverick diehard? Right. It's a, it's a, like a bunch of it's Dirk and a bunch of like mercenaries. It really is. I mean, if you look at their starting lineups for like the past five years, it's always just like a random well, assortment yeah. of dudes that it, they. That's found. what happens when you have an owner that's not afraid, not only not afraid, but loves to make a splash. Right. It's what he likes doing. Stealing well, he loves, players, he loves getting for players. the story to be about him and his and, and, love affair with DeAndre Jordan. And then you know they're typically they also have a championship under their belt in recent history they probably don't like being shadowed overshadowed by the two other Texas right. teams and so even the year they won the championship they got rid of all their players they were like hey Tyson Chandler thanks for all the memories see you later Jason Kidd retired Jason Terry they're all like yeah we don't need him yeah. just like why <laughs> uh, it's just like two polar opposites and the Mavericks have been successful for, you know the exact same stretch of period that we have not to the same extent, but they're always in the conversation. They yeah. always make the playoffs. And they always play us hard. Which, yeah, like, always like, play us hard. Like, in the year we won, <laughs> that was the scariest, most nail-biting yeah. series we, we had. And there's a lot of Dirk-Timmy comparisons, because they've both been in the league for so long. They're both old as shit right now, and they're both still playing at very high levels. And everybody, all you know, that's another, you know, well, there's also this, story like, that everybody loves to write. It's, oh, wow, they kept it going for so long. They just still love playing basketball. Blah, yeah. blah, blah. And there's also, like, a celebration of international players. You know what I mean? Sure. Dirk and then everybody else besides, like, four players on our team. Right. You know. Um, yeah, I would say that's by far our hardest game up in the stretch. Yeah, and Phoenix has been playing well also. They, um, they speaking of Tyson Chandler, they signed him in the offseason. Um, in that same Woj piece, it, they talk a lot about how LaMarcus was very close to signing there. Um, you know, there's another, there's an alternate reality where I guess he doesn't go talk to Pat Riley, who, you know, subtly gave us a bump to get LaMarcus Aldridge. Oh, yeah. Um, did you hear about this? No. So, the Suns, they signed Tyson Chandler. LaMarcus Aldridge really didn't want to play center. And so he didn't know that they were going to sign him. It happened like that day. Tyson Chandler shows, shows up the meeting. It's like, hey, I'm going to play center. You'll be able to stay at power forward. They have these two young guards. So they have Eric Bledsoe and Brandon Knight, who are both playing great. You know, Brandon Knight's had a couple of freaking triple doubles and stuff so far this year. Um, and so he was very intrigued by that. It's like, hey, we'll build this dynasty around you. You'll be the next great son, maybe the greatest of all time. You know, Steve Nash, Probably obviously. But anyways, um, and then basically Pat Riley's like, hey, just hear me out, we don't have room for you now, but I want to take you to dinner. And you don't say no to Pat Riley. Like, he's the guy's like the frickin' mafia don of the NBA. Um, And so he goes, and Pat Riley's like, hey, just sign a one-year deal, and then I promise you next summer we'll have some room for you, and you can come play with Bosh and Wade. And and he just wasn't really that interested in that. They've got Hassan Whiteside down there, who's this, you know, 
a center who keeps he keeps putting up triple doubles with blocks, which is insane. Oh wow. Yeah, apparently he had more block. He had ten blocks the other night, which is more blocks than he has assists in his entire career. Anyways, getting off track. So Pat Riley says this very unintriguing to him. He's like, "Well, I'd really like to sign a deal, go ahead and get my money locked up, kind of settle down somewhere." Um, and then Pat Riley, apparently, the way the story is told by Woj is that he um, tells him, "Go find a team. Like, go find somewhere where you're going to be successful. Look how great it was for." Chris Bosch is the example they gave him. So he says Bosch was the yeah. best player in Toronto. He was averaging over 20 points. He was going to All-Star games. And then he came here. He's the third player on the team. You know, third best player. N- nobody gives him any of the credit. It's all Wade and LeBron, especially LeBron. But if you would ask Chris, he would say he would never change it for anything. Like, he'd rather win. He'd rather have the success. Rather have the trophies. And so not really trying to push him in the direction of the Spurs, but apparently Pat Riley was kind of the one that pushed him over the edge to say, you know, you're going to be happier if you're successful. And that's... And then Which is really ironic because we just pretty much ruined his team the previous year when LeBron left after they couldn't beat us. Um, So anyways, long way of saying, the Suns are actually playing well and they could be a lot better were they... Able to have pulled off the Lamarcus deal. Well, I um, anybody would be better with the Lamarcus. Right. Oh, but he's not fitting in our team. Whoa, with us. <laughs> Everything's shit. We're eleven and fucking two. Yeah. Or nine and fucking two. So that'll be a tough game. The Suns are feisty. They they have a good chance of making the playoffs this year, as they do every year. There'll kind of be a battle down there at the bottom, six, seven, eight seeds to see who's going to fill in those spots. Um, and Memphis surprisingly hasn't been as good this year. I think they kind of got off to a rough start and it picked it up a little bit more lately. Um, they actually traded for Mario Chalmers, who played for the Heat. Oh, he was yeah. kind of like the little brother on that team that yeah. they would all yell at whenever things were going poorly. Um, and for whatever reason, Mario Chalmers being on their team has like really given them a jump start. <laughs> but Good. they're six and six. He has all that championship. Experience. It looks like they'll make the playoffs again. I mean, they're pretty much the same team they always are. Yeah. Um, Just they match up well against us. They've got two big guys who you know. We'll play Timmy and Lamarcus tough. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, I, don't know. I you know we might have some close ones in this week, but I it's gonna be a good week. I think there are either five or six games in a row that they've won, and it looks like this that streak could keep going for a while. So, mm-hmm. not that we're twelve and zero or anything like Golden State, but you have to be pretty excited about the way that they've started off. And um, theoretically, you'd like to think that as long as they're staying healthy. They're only going to get better from here. Because you can see it. I mean, you can see glimpses of they really could be even better than they are, which is scary. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, you know, they're getting back to that. They'll get up early. And, you know, we always joke as Spurs fans, like, unless you're winning by 10 points, everything's, yeah. everything sucks. But they're getting their... But we're used to that because of an old-school style where we, we either got up 10 points early... And then just kind of rode that, and that's how we won games, or we didn't win the game. Yeah. But they're doing it, and the way that they can get the game close and then go on a run with the defense as good as we're... You know, you make two, three stops in a row, you shut down a lot of these high-scoring teams. You know, oh, yeah. You completely ruin their rhythm. When you're not just trading baskets, but when you're fighting every half court, and if they fail two or three times, a lot of these superstar players, they lose... You know, they lose their rhythm, they lose their outside shot, they lose their, oh, yeah. all that confidence. And it, it's it's 
not the most exciting basketball in the world, but as a Spurs fan, it's the greatest ever. No, I mean, I think that's the really encouraging thing. If defense wins championships, and what do you need to do in the playoffs? You have to get a stop. If you you're down by stop. a couple of points, you need to get a you turnover. You have to get a stop, and you have to, then on the other side of the court, get the fundamental two points with yeah. the big man against dump the basket. Dump it to Timmy, dump it to LaMarcus. I mean, if you can do that's both... That's what this team's built to If do. you can do both of those things, no one would argue against you being in contention for a champ. If you can stop their star player from getting hot and making a stop when you need it, and then go down the court and Absolutely. go, here's a play that works 95% of the time. Yeah. And I don't care who it's against. I don't care, you know, yes, big man, assist, you know, pass it. A good, solid play, you get your two on the other end, and you can erase any lead, you can keep your 10-point lead, you can do whatever you want. Yeah, and like I said, I think that's what this team's built to do, and I'm, I'm pretty excited about it, so. All right, well, it'll be another fun, exciting game of basketball, like, uh, or a week of Spurs basketball. Yeah. Hopefully we can do these. Yeah, so we're going to try to check back in more often. Hope you all enjoyed watching us. Thank you guys for tuning in who did, and um, we also put these up on SoundCloud and on iTunes, so you can subscribe to our podcast there. Um, it's at Childcast. Um, thank you very much for watching. Also, follow us here on Periscope if you enjoyed the, the feed. Um, like I said, we're going to be doing these more often, so tune back in and follow along, ask questions. Uh, we love hearing from you guys. And um, we also do some football stuff. So if you like NFL picks, we do start them and sit them Sunday mornings. And we also, like, we pick all of the games um, every week on Tuesdays. So, again, thank you guys for watching, and we will catch you next time. Take it easy.